This morning we're going to continue our series on the New Covenant. Today we're going to be talking again about prayer. Uh, we talked about prayer a few services ago. But Jesus brings it up again in a little bit different way. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Amen. So Jesus continues his teaching on prayer by telling us he welcomes our prayers and encourages us to persist in them. Now, it's certainly true that there are instances in our lives, situations that we encounter that require an immediate response. Someone swerves on the highway and is heading right toward us. We don't have time to enter into the closet and, and pray an hour-long prayer at that point. We might have time to call out the name of Jesus, and that'll be about it. And in those times, Jesus answers, and he protects, and he, and he resolves the situation miraculously. But by and large, a child of God is able to do that, because of previous times in the prayer closet. They have a relationship with God. They have an understanding of Scripture, and they have relied on the promises of God to the point where their faith is up here. They trust in the Lord to answer in time of need. And they have prayed, and they have prayed, and they, they, they have exercised their faith in prayer so that when these situations arise... They're able to call out on the name of Jesus, and Jesus comes and he answers miraculously. By and large, the situations that we, we face day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, are not those immediate situations, but they're lingering. They persist. And in those situations, it requires endurance. It requires uh, someone who is able to persevere through those situations in prayer until the answer is received. I found some quotes on prayer. Uh, I have an excellent book by E.M. Bounds on prayer, and his quotes are always awesome, but it's packed and I can't find it right now. But I, my wife will find it here real soon because everything's going to be unpacked. But I found these, and these are pretty good too. D.L. Moody, anyone ever hear of D.L. Moody? Okay, he says this, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. Amen, Brother Moody. Dr. Curtis Hudson says, There is more that you can do after you pray, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. Hudson Taylor says, the prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. That's an amazing statement to me. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, 
Let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The last quote, I couldn't find whose quote this is, but he says this, maybe she. Nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. That's true as well. In our passage of Scripture, Jesus indicates that true prayer, effectual prayer, will not be typically a quick and easy process. It's going to be labor. It will be a struggle. It will require endurance. Jesus teaches us that we must endure in prayer until our answer is realized. And this flies in the face of a microwave generation, fast food. Uh, everything is so convenient today. Everything is right here, right now. And if it's not, if I have to stand in line at the restaurant for five minutes, I start to get a little hangry. And I have to ask myself, why is that? Five minutes. It seems like forever, doesn't it? But it's five minutes. We lack patience today in the United States. And when we come to the Lord in prayer, we're going to discover probably pretty quickly that patience is going to be required. Endurance, the long haul, making it to the end. That is what is required of us in prayer. These fast, easy, blah, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. And then sit back and... Where's the answer? <clears throat> Isn't going to cut it. <laughs> God is certainly not an American. <clears throat> That's for sure. <laughs> because if He were, He would understand that we need this a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, a little bit easier. But he's not an American. Because of that, we're going to have to adopt to his style, his methods. In our scripture text, it says that we must ask. Now, I don't know what it is, men, that we have a problem asking. When I go to the store, especially if I'm going to Menards or Home Depot or something like that, I hate asking for help. I hate it. Why? That is a good question. That is a good question. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know why. It might be. It might be pride. That would make sense. That makes sense. I hope it's not. I'm going to say it's something else, though. Because <laughs> pride is ugly. Pride's not good. <laughs> I don't want to be... I don't want that to be true, sister. <laughs> Directions is the same way. We all know where we're going. 
We don't need help getting there. <clears throat> Till we're lost. Yeah. Till we're out in the back 40 and there's no road here at all. Just field. Quiet. I know, I know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> Asking in prayer involves humbling ourselves before God. We are acknowledging that we are inadequate and we are helpless in the face of this situation. And that is something that we have to acknowledge. When I'm at the store and I have no idea where the, where the, 20 penny nails are, or the drywall screws, or whatever it is I'm looking for. I can spend an hour and a half looking for them. I mean, eventually I'm going to find them. Or I could take a minute or two and find an employee and let them show me where it is. Depending on where you're at, yeah. But when we're going to God in prayer, we're acknowledging, I don't know. I can't take care of this. I don't have the tools. I don't have the, the intellect, the knowledge, the power, the authority, whatever it is. I don't have it. And I acknowledge, God, that you do. We don't always like acknowledging those things. But let's face it, folks, we're human. Our strength is finite. Our intellect is finite. And sometimes we come to the end of our ropes, the end of our strength, the end of our endurance, the end of our knowledge. And that's when we have to turn to God. And sometimes I believe God will bring us to the end of our rope on purpose so that we'll finally call on Him. We'll finally ask God, I've tried everything else, we may as well try this now. I hope that's not our attitude. <clears throat> we ought to call on God first. When I was a child, I would from time to time ask my parents for things. I had no idea if I'd get them or not, but I'd ask. Doesn't hurt. All I can do is say no. But I've discovered, as I grew older, that if they could, they would bend over backwards and try to get that thing from me. I didn't realize it when I was young. I just asked, and there it was. Supper time came, and there's food on the table. I didn't think about the heat. I didn't think about any of that. It, it was just there. But as I grew older, and certainly after I moved out, uh, these things don't just pop out of thin air. They cost money. And so that understanding kind of carried over with me when I became a parent. And then I kind of got a more full understanding of that. When, when my children come and ask me for things, I want desperately to do that for them. That, that desire is there. And so, when we come to God and ask Him for things, it's not, 
God's not looking at us. Why, you can't do it yourself? Fine. I'll take care of it. That's not his attitude at all. Not at all. He wants us to come to him. He loves it when we come to him. When we acknowledge that he can take care of this for us. Because it's his desire to do so. He's our heavenly father. He wants to take care of these things for us. When we come and we ask God for things, we're acknowledging God's absolute power and authority to take care of these situations for us. We come to God and ask for help because we believe He can answer our request. We believe that God can. And we ask Him for help because we also believe that He will answer our request. If we don't believe both of these things, there's really no sense in asking Him, right? And sometimes that's why we don't ask Him. Most of us believe that He can, but again, oftentimes we struggle with whether or not He will. The Scripture text goes on to say that if we ask, it shall be given you. God promises us an answer to our request. He promises us an answer. Now, that answer doesn't always come when we want it to. That goes back to endurance. Sometimes it comes right away. Sometimes it comes in a week, a month, a year, multiple years. Do we have the endurance to continue asking for multiple years until the answer comes? God doesn't promise when the answer is going to come. And He doesn't promise how it will come. A lot of times we have a very specific idea in our minds how we want this prayer answered. I have discovered that oftentimes it's beneficial for me just to let Him decide how to do it. When I first became a Christian and I really got into the idea of prayer, the efficacy of prayer, the idea that, that these things can be taken care of through the name of Jesus Christ, I would pray very specific prayers. I want this job. I want, I want to work in this kind of environment. I want this kind of car. I want, you know, blah, 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 blah. However, Sometimes the answers were a little bit different than I had in mind. And oftentimes, when the answer came, I was a little bit underwhelmed because of it. This is not what I had in mind. This is not the picture that was in my mind when I asked for this thing. When I asked for a resolution to this situation, I kind of wanted it resolved this way. But God takes an entirely different route and resolves it this way. Whatever, however God answers our prayers, we've got to understand that it is the best way to do it. Otherwise, He would have done it a different way. Having a relationship with God, having confidence in His character that He's not going to... Sometimes we think of God like a genie. 
a genie in a bottle. And the reason I say genie in a bottle is not because, you know, he, he grants our wishes. But in folklore, genies were very particular. They were very mischievous. And if you didn't phrase your wish exactly right, the genie would find a loophole and answer it in such a way that it would harm you and not hurt you or and not help you. And sometimes we think that when we come to God, we've got to ask, you know, make sure, make sure all the legalese is in there and the contract is just right because if we don't, God's going to mess with us. And he's going to answer in such a way that, ha, 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 you should have asked for it differently. And that's not true either. God knows what you're asking for. He knows the intent behind it. Okay? He's not a fickle, mischievous God. And He loves you more than you can possibly understand. And He wants the very best for you. So when we come and we ask, the answer that comes is going to be perfect. Lately, I've found that it's easier and, quite frankly, more comforting to me when I leave all that to Him. This is my problem. Resolve it however you want to. When the answer comes, it's not going to be lent to us. It's not going to be sold to us for a price. It's going to be given to us. It is the gift of God. It's not going to be needed to be paid back. He's not going to require something else of us later on. It is the free gift of God. When we ask for something, He gives it. Free and clear. No strings attached. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. We should exercise that. And start asking for more things. Now we're going to talk in a moment about some quid pro quos and some, some qualifications to that. Don't worry. We just can't ask for any, anything and expect God to just give it to us. The Bible says we must seek. We seek as if to find something of great value we have lost. When, when the Bible says to seek, seek for the answer. We're seeking desperately. We're seeking to find something of great value. When we lose something, I've got all of these anecdotal stories now about moving. <clears throat> we have lost so many things. We find them later. But we keep losing things and keep finding them. I'll stumble over something three times trying to get to something else I couldn't find. And then when I look for that, I can't find that. And so we start looking because we need it. We need it right now to, to put this together or, or get everything else taken care of. We start looking for it. And we look and we look and we're desperate. We've got to find this because... If I don't find it soon, my wife is going to blow a lid. So I am highly motivated. 
Because <laughs> I want to keep that lid on. So I'm motivated to find that thing. It's precious to me. i got to find it. When we're seeking God in prayer for an answer, we have got to value that answer. It can't be something that, well, if it happens, great. If not, i got other options. I can try. Those kind of prayers probably aren't going to be answered. But if we're seeking God as if this is the only hope I have, God will always come through in those situations. He will always acknowledge that kind of desperate faith. We seek as if to find something of great value we know is out there. Treasure hunters. People who do these uh, deep sea dives to, to hunt for treasure in these, these big wrecks, these shipwrecks. There's a lot of planning involved. There's a lot of coordination, a lot of logistics involved. Getting permits, getting the right equipment, doing the research. Before they even put a toe in the water. And after they put a toe in the water, that's when the real work begins. And they've got to have all of these safety things in place. And they've, they've got to have contingencies for if this happens and if that happens. And then when we, if we do find the treasure, how are we going to get it up? How are we going to, what are we going to do with it afterward? There's a lot involved. And so, when we're seeking an answer to God in, of God in prayer, we've got to understand that it's not just like this. It doesn't happen like that. Not typically. Again, we explained earlier, sometimes it does. And thank God for that. But oftentimes, our answers come after a long period of time in prayer where we are demonstrating to God our faith, our endurance, our hope in Him. We've got to seek. And when we seek, the Bible says we will find. He will bring the object of our desire into our lives. Whatever that might, whatever good thing that might be. When we seek something, we have to expect that we're going to find it. If we don't expect we're going to find it, we're not going to put the resources and the time and the energy in to actually get it. Do we believe the answer is coming? Do we believe that He can and that He will or not? If we do, then we can expect to see the answer come. We will find what we're seeking for if we seek it with all of our heart. God Himself is found of those who seek Him. The Bible says that we have to knock. Now, when I knock on a stranger's door, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what kind of reception I'm going to get. If I'm dressed like this, they're probably going to think I'm a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or, at best, a vacuum cleaner salesman. 
<clears throat> I'm going to want something from them. And that's the response I'm going to get if the door opens at all. Peek through the window, see who it is. I don't know that guy. Turn the lights off. Shh, kids, be quiet. <laughs> that kind of thing. If I go to my dad's house and knock on the door, he's going to be, oh, hey, how you doing? Come on in. That's the response I'll get from someone I know, someone I have a relationship with. When we knock on God's door, what kind of reception are we expecting? Do you know what kind of reception you're going to have when you knock on God's door? God is desperately waiting for us to knock on His door. He wants us to come to Him. He loves it when we bring our needs and our petitions to Him. Now, don't knock at God's door and then leave before He answers. That's just rude. We knock and we knock. Must not be home. Get in the car and leave. And then he comes and answers the door and there's no one there. We do that a lot, I think, to God in prayer. If we come to God's door and start knocking, let's continue knocking until he answers. The Bible promises that when we do knock, that the door will open. We're not going to open the door. God's going to open the door. And we need to let Him open the door when the time is right. We talked a little bit on Wednesday about spiritual warfare, and we've alluded to the fact that in the Spirit there is all kinds of activity, there's all kinds of things going on, even in this building right now. It looks very calm and peaceful right now, but in the Spirit it's not at all calm and peaceful. There's war waging. And in prayer, the situations we bring to God in prayer, it may look right now like there's absolutely nothing going on in that situation. But in the Spirit, there's all kinds of activity going on. God is setting things up. God is putting things in people's hearts. God is resolving situations here and starting situations there so that we can bring this to a close. Sometimes there's a lot to set up before the answer finally comes. We read in Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks. When the answer finally did come three weeks later, he was told, we heard you the first day. But your prayers were hindered. Our, our answer, our response was hindered. There was a war that needed to be waged before the answer could come. <clears throat> but the door will open. The door will open when God's time is right. When everything is resolved, the situations are taken care of, and God can finally bring the answer to us. <clears throat> Jesus tells us of the absolute sufficiency of His promises. We find that all of God's promises are, are conditional. If you will, I will. 
you will do such and such, I'll do so and so. When we satisfy the conditions, the promise is ours. And again, the promise depends upon God's ability to answer, and it also depends upon God's willingness to answer. In Scripture, God has bound Himself to His Word. Now, I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that to somehow hold God's feet to the fire uh, and be stupid about it. But I'm explaining from Scripture, He's bound Himself to His Word. And if He said He's going to do something, He's bound to do it. Because that's His character. God cannot lie. He will not break covenant with us. So his ability and his willingness to answer are moot points. They've already been resolved in Scripture. He can and he will take care of whatever need that we have of, whatever we bring to him in prayer. Every good thing will come to us. God is no respecter of persons. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, he uses this word, everyone. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. He is no respecter of persons. And we sometimes get the false understanding, the, the, the false idea that we're not good enough, we're not holy or righteous enough, we haven't done enough good things, not like sister so-and-so has. That's why she's getting her prayers answered, because she's perfect. She doesn't do anything wrong. God loves her. And we get this, this false idea that we can somehow earn things from God. Let me explain that I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're perfect. You can't earn anything from God. You can earn judgment from God. That we can earn all by ourselves. But any good thing we cannot earn. We can never be good enough. We can never be righteous or holy enough. We can never do too many good things to earn or to deserve good things from God. He gives them of His good pleasure, of His free will, because of His grace, because of His mercy, because of His compassion to usward. He loves all of us just the same. Just the same. He will never love you more. He will never love you less. No matter how many good things or how many bad things you do. He's no respecter of persons. By faith we claim the object of our prayers and it becomes just as sure to us as the actual possession. When we ask for something in prayer, our faith reaches out and takes it. It claims it. It possesses it. If we have a promise from God, understand me here. We're not being stupid about this. 
We're not charging into the throne room of God and demanding things because, God, you said. That's not our attitude. That's not our approach to a holy God. We approach Him softly and humbly. But our asking, our faith can become bold because of the promises of God. And when we have a promise, it's God's good pleasure for us to reach out and grab it by faith. We have to trust God. We have to trust His promises are sure that they are yea and amen. We've got to believe that. When we do believe that, our faith reaches out and claims those things before they happen, as if they already have. That's a bold faith. That's a faith that God is well pleased in. He's pleased when we have faith like that in the promises of God. When we trust in God to that extent, <clears throat> faith is not passive. It's not a, well, it's your will, then let it be, and if not, well. There are some things that, that we ask for that we don't have a specific promise. We should ask anyway, and we'll see if it's God's will. But if we have a promise, if we have Scripture, then that's not our prayer at all. Whether or not it's God's will ought to have already been resolved. And if it is God's will, let's say we're praying for the salvation of someone. Does anybody doubt that that is God's will or not? For someone to be saved. We all understand it's God's perfect will for people to be saved, yes. So, when we're praying for the salvation of the lost, we don't have to be timid about it. Well, Lord, if it's your will, please save so-and-so. Don't do that. Don't. Don't pray like that. Reach out and take that salvation. Claim it in Jesus' name. God suffered on a cross and died so that that person could be saved. I'm just using this as, a, as an easy example, but we could use many other examples. If we have a promise in Scripture, we can stand on that boldly. We can claim it boldly. Our faith ought not to be passive in those situations. It ought to be aggressive, dominant, militant. It ought to reach out and take those things and possess them in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus promises that He will not give us things harmful to us. In the passage of Scripture we just read, He compares Himself to earthly fathers. If we, with our selfish, sinful nature know how to bless and provide for our children, how much more will God, who loves us enough to lay down His life for us, do for us? <clears throat> our earthly fathers, our earthly parents, will not give us things they know will harm us. And they get angry with us, and they get frustrated with us, and they become impatient with us. But they still love us enough to, to not feed us poison. Johnny, get out of the rat poison. 
Sally, get out of the busy highway at, at noon hour. They don't want us harmed. So when we ask for something, Daddy, can I eat some arsenic? He's going to say no. You dumb boy. Don't eat the arsenic. I don't know why you'd have arsenic in the house anyway, but in any case, he'd tell us no. When we ask God for things that he knows will harm us, we don't know any better. We're sheep. Sheep will eat dumb things. Sheep eats, they'll eat things that will kill them. The shepherd has to keep them away. So when we ask for something, and we think it would be so awesome, and it would be so good, and I'll use it for you, God, and all of these things, God knows, no you're not. That's going to lead you away from me. So his answer is probably going to be no. Rather than kick and scream and moan and complain about it, thank God for it. I have come to be very thankful for every no that He's given me. Because He loves me enough to tell me no. He loves me enough to know, and He's smart enough to know, that this thing is not going to be good for me. I don't know any better. I'm a dumb sheep. So I ask for these weird things that I think will be so awesome. But God knows better. And He tells me no. Thank God that He tells us no when those things are going to lead us away from Him. Jesus will also deny those things to us that will harm us. God's answer will never be a disappointment. And we will not be denied any good thing. We won't be. If it's good for us to have, God's going to want us to have it. He's our Heavenly Father. But if it's going to harm us, Absolutely not. He will not let us have it. I wouldn't let my kids have anything. I wouldn't. And I'm an imperfect fallen human being. The things that God does give us are perfect for us. The answers that he does say yes to are for our very best. And he'll answer in such a way as to be perfect for us, for our situation. When we come to God in prayer, I want to jump back on this for just a moment. When we read a promise in Scripture, we understand this promise is for me. It's for me. We get it. We read it. This promise is mine. And I take it to God in prayer. We've got to understand something. God gave us that clear, definitive promise for a reason. He stated it the way he did for a reason. He's not ambiguous. 
It's not in legalese. We don't need an interpreter to discover what the meaning is. God gives us a promise. It's very clear. It's very direct. The reason for that is this. He's giving us every opportunity to put our faith in Him. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to wonder. Is this what He's really saying? What is He really trying to say here? He's very plain and He's very direct. Because He wants us to stand on that promise. He wants us to claim that promise and to use those promises for the furtherance of His kingdom. It is His desire to bless His people. No doubt. He loves pouring blessing and giving good gifts to His children. That's Bible. But there's more to it than just receiving from God. And we all understand that. A lot of the promises we have are for other people. When I'm claiming healing for someone, let me just say, say it this way. When I'm sick, it's really hard for me to pray for my own healing. I do. I do ask God. But in the middle of it, it's really hard for me to do that. When I'm praying for someone else and I feel good, I can pray boldly then. I can believe God for a healing then. So when I'm praying for healing, I want people who know how to pray, praying for me. I want people who believe Scripture, praying for me. Not this, well, if it's God's will. When it comes to healing specifically... This is a huge topic. This is a huge... Everybody's got all kinds of ideas on this. I don't know if I'm prepared yet to say anything definite on it. I know what my experiences have been. I think I know what Scripture says. And it doesn't seem like they mesh together. And So I'm trying to resolve that. But here's what I will say. God purchased our healing at Calvary. That's why he took stripes on his back. I don't think he did that in vain. I don't think he did it just because. When we see his life's ministry, when he walked on the earth, we see multiple instances where he healed All of them. He healed everyone. The power that Satan has over us has been destroyed. The power of God supersedes any power, any authority that the enemy has. He has no authority. He has no power over us. Jesus Christ conquered sin, death, and all the power of the grave. All the power of hell.
Our prayers. Our prayers ought to be violent. They ought to be bold. They ought to be militant. There is a world sprinting as fast as they can toward hell. And it is just accelerating. The church is the only organism, the only entity that can do anything about it. That's us. That's us. And what I say, I'm saying just as as poignantly to me as to everyone else. We have, first of all, we need to make our calling and our election sure. Second of all, we've got to start taking that calling and that election seriously. Some of you are. I don't pretend to know definitively what your prayer lives are, how effective you are in prayer, anything like that. I'm making a blanket statement here. In these end times, there's just not a lot of time left. And where before, in previous generations, we had enough time. We had... We could play a little bit longer game, if I can say it that way. But the time is so short now. I'll just say... uh, I'm very thankful someone spoke to me. I'm very thankful someone called me out of the life that I was living. I thought it was a pretty good life. I didn't know any better. Turns out it was a miserable wreck. It was a shambles compared to what I could have. The relationship that I have with Jesus Christ today the hope I have for the future happened because someone was praying. Someone reached out. And I can't help but think from time to time that at some day, some point in time, I'm going to be standing before the righteous judge to give an account for what I've done with everything he's given me. The knowledge, the the wisdom, the, the experiences that he's given me. What have I done with that? What am I doing with that? And the the resources he's made available to me that I've barely begun to tap into. 
Maybe I'm saying all of this because I feel convicted about me. I need to pray so much harder than I am. More effectively than I am. The times demand it. I have been given a grave responsibility as a child of God. I have been given everything that I need to succeed. Everything I need to win. Everything I need to to go out and build the kingdom of God. As have all of us. But again, in the United States, if the answer doesn't come immediately, we we become disinterested and we move on to something else. Uh, We're here for one purpose, to build the kingdom of God, to advance his kingdom. And that will be done first and foremost through prayer. We have got to be a people of prayer, not just saying words, not just repeating phrases, but powerful, effectual, fervent prayers. They have got to go forth from us. They have got to come from this church, these prayers, and they have to be effectual. We don't have time to waste. We don't have, we don't have resources or energy to waste. Not anymore. Jesus could come back today. And then it's going to be too late. We'll make it. But they won't. Those that we were given a responsibility for. In the Old Testament, when Joshua was near the end of his life, there was a lot that hadn't been conquered yet. And the Bible says that God was displeased. God gave them that land. But they hadn't yet reached it. They hadn't taken it. I don't want that to be said of us. I know that may sound arrogant. I'm not being arrogant when I say that God has given us this city. I'm speaking the truth. He has given us this city. He hasn't given it to me. He's given it to you, to each of you, the children of God. When it comes to prayer, we have got to be practiced in its use. We have got to be comfortable with seasons of unanswered prayer. We've got to be comfortable with that. Because the answer doesn't always come immediately. We can't become distracted and lose interest and, well, it must not be God's will. We know it's God's will. 
We have a promise in Scripture. The good part about all of this is that we're all going to be in the middle of it. When God does start moving in this city, when he starts working the way he wants to, the way we want to see him work, you and I will be right in the middle of it. You and I will be the ones that God uses to reach this city. Praise God for that. I want to be doing the Lord's work. But we've got to do it His way. We've got to wait on Him. And we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep believing. We're not going to lose faith. We're not going to lose hope. We understand that endurance is necessary. Periods of waiting are sometimes necessary to receive the answer we're waiting for. God demonstrates that to us. He tells us that he'll not deny us any good thing. He won't. Reaching the city... Reaching your family, your co-workers, your loved ones, that's a good thing. Seeing people healed, people delivered from the bondage of sin, lives restored, relationships restored. These are the perfect will of God. And He's desiring to do all of these things and so much more. So much more. When we begin to pray, if you will, then I will. Amen. Please receive that in the spirit it was intended. I am so, I am so looking forward to a time when we as the people of God are laser-focused on that one thing, building His kingdom, accomplishing His will. And I am equally excited about what, what God is going to do in each of your lives, how He's going to use you, the miracles He's going to do through you, the people that He'll reach through you, It's going to be an amazing, exciting time. Amen. Let's all stand.